Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We will have, be doing two interviews today, one each hour about 9.15. Koki Riley at 9.15 looking at the back at a little bit on the LSU-Florida game and, and, and ahead to Ole Miss and um, and then at 10.15, I said we wanted to talk some high school football. Best weekend of high school football all year long. Blockbuster game after blockbuster game. And we'll be speaking with St. Thomas Moore, offensive coordinator Shane Savoie at about 10.15. I, got, I am just, I am just uneasy, uncomfortable, nervous. Fred, I mean, it, these next two days, tonight and tomorrow, are just going to be torture. I um, I wake up this morning to Yankee weather, and so I got all these Astro fans, and you—I don't know who you are, but I'm sure there are plenty of them out there who are all excited for Yankee weather. Shame on you! This is awful. We, I wake up on the morning of the. Game one of the ALCS, the Yankees won last night, which was I was hoping wouldn't happen, but they did, and now we got to have Yankee weather, and I'm supposed to feel good about that. That's what y'all are telling me. No, no. I remember years ago, um, we used to, we haven't done this in a while. Each week when the Saints would play someone, whatever it is, you had to give something up, like, I don't know. We, we, we would come up with something that had to do with the city or the mascot of whoever they were playing, and all week long, you, you, you had to give it up. Well, that's kind of what I'm feeling like. Oh, man. And now, and now, I mean, I got no control. I can't control the weather. I got to sit here and live through Yankee weather on day one of the ALCS against the Yankees. I just... I just do not have a good feeling. And and you cannot own a team ever, forever. Ask the punks. The punks owned the Padres for a long time. The Astros have owned the Yankees for a while now. Beat them in 15 in the playoffs. Beat them in 17 in the playoffs. Beat them in 19 in the playoffs. Got two no-hitters against them in this century. And they just kind of gotten the best of the Yankees for a while now. Now, I mean, that doesn't mean it's going to in this year, but you can't dominate someone forever. You can't own someone forever. Ask Alabama. They've owned Tennessee forever. This year, eh. The Padres got have been owned by the Yankees for a long time. This year, eh. The Mariners have been owned by the Astros for a long time, forever. This year, still happening. I don't know how long that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're good. They got good. Y- the Padres are going to are gonna be a force for a while now. But at least for one more year, 
the Astros still own him. And so hopefully for at least one more year, the Astros can own the Yankees. But, but I mean, I don't know what's about to happen. I mean, and in case you hadn't noticed, here we go again. With the dark horse team from the NL East, the NL ESPN division, here we go. Two well, well, not two years ago. Then uh, three years ago, it was the Nationals. Kind of came out of nowhere. We're lucky to even win the one game playoff, and they ended up winning the World Series. And they've been awful ever since. They're going to have a medicine decade. The Nationals, and then the Braves did it last year, and right now, I mean. I don't know if any of you remember, but back in late March, I guess it was late March that we made our preseason predictions because the season starts a little earlier now than it used to. I went, I didn't know what to pick. I knew I wasn't going to pick the Braves because I knew they were having a medicine season. Um, And so I was deciding between the Mets and the Phillies. And... I just, something told me I just don't trust the Mets. Just, I just didn't trust the Mets. And as it turned out, the Mets tied for first place with the Braves. The Braves uh, got the tiebreaker, and the Phillies make the playoffs. And now it looks like, I mean, they look, they look as, I mean, they just, you know, two to nothing last night in game one in San Diego. The series is not over. Teams have lost the first game before and, and still won the series. So obviously they still got a lot of work to do. They still got to win three more games. But the Phillies are starting to look like the Braves of last year and the and the Nationals from 19. What in the world's going on there? Crazy. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that, you know, um, I can remember, was it two or three years ago in free agency, there was a lot of talk of Wheeler coming to the Astros or that the Astros should go after Wheeler. And he ended up going to the Phillies. And, you know, I've had Nola twice in fantasy, pretty disappointed both years I had him in fantasy. Like two of the last four years I had him, and he was just – he one year he was terrible, and one year he was just okay. I was expecting a lot more out of him. And right now, he's pitching fabulous. And um, so, you know, I still don't think their bullpen is great, but it's pitched well lately. And, you know, Alvarado's doing good for him, and Dominguez is doing good. And, you know, I guess Robertson is going to – we'll see how he pitches because he hadn't pitched in a while. But it's uh, their lineup's got a lot of good bats. Most of the year, they were horrific defensively. They seem to have gotten better there. And uh, so, I don't know. The Phillies are getting pretty scary. Of course, I can't worry about the Phillies right now. I mean, it's just every pitch. And then, so it starts tonight, 637. By the way, you can hear um, all the action in the ALCS right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. So, uh, that is a, you know, and then tomorrow night, 
Astros will be playing game two, hopefully up one nothing. But the way things have been going for me lately, I don't know. Although the things for, in baseball is mostly going well. It would have just just been so much easier on my little emotions if it wasn't this case. I wouldn't worry about Yankee weather if it was Cleveland, even though the you know Cleveland's in, in Yankee land as well. But um, and then tomorrow, the Saints season on the line. And if, you know, if the Astros win, I mean, if the Astros would happen to lose tonight, which hopefully doesn't happen, but if it does, you could argue their season pretty much on the line. Uh, and so uh, the pressure of tomorrow night, oh, I just, I just hope I can get to the weekend happy. I mean, I just, I just need to get to the weekend happy. Now, look, on paper, the Astros are better than the Yankees. But, I mean, this is baseball. Again, it, it has nothing to do with who's better. Really, it has nothing to do with it. I mean, I've just gave, given you countless examples of it. I mean, it, 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 baseball is just different. It, 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 you know, how you do over 162 just doesn't always have anything to do with how you're going to do in a, in, a, in a week or a week in, you know, in this case, eight days, because there's only one day off, depending on weather. So it's uh, it's just it's just pressure on every pitch. Every pitch can just change your entire everything. I mean, it's just and then, oh, and then tomorrow night's gonna be both at the same time. It's just gonna be anguish. <sighs> I'm going to have to take triple the blood pressure medicine tomorrow, I think. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Kevin, you, first of all, before I get started, man, Hannah's getting pretty mean these days. She's oh, getting, Hannah's getting mean. She's mean? Yeah, oh, yeah, she's getting pretty mean. Yeah, you ever talk to Hannah, she's getting pretty mean over there. I don't know what y'all <laughs> doing to her, but she's getting mean. But, uh, but Kevin, he, I, I always hear you talking about the red carpet ride. The teams get the red carpet, we get the red carpet, and this and that. You know, we discuss this a lot. We, you know, been listening to you for years. We we talk about it. You know, we got a lot of teams that we didn't talk about that got the red carpet. But I don't know. It always sounds like you're looking for that red carpet ride on the slick side because they're always talking about you, like you don't want to play this one and you worry about this one. Don't you want to play the Yankees? Don't you want to beat the Yankees? Like you're trying to avoid the Yankees and stuff. Oh what no! Kind of stuff I, I always, I always pull. Like the World Series. You I, want to beat the Yankees? I always pull. Correct? No. Well, I do want to beat them, but I don't. I'd rather not play them. Like, I, 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 I always pull for the for the matchup. Again, who I pull for has nothing to do with what's going to happen. But. But who I always pull for the matchup that's going to give me the least amount of pain and anguish and frustration and agony on the other side if I lose. It's like well, I always say, I mean, if you guarantee you me. If you lose everyone, no matter who you play. But I thought you want to beat the big ball. You want to beat the oh, big ball. No, the big bad Yankees no, to get to the World Series. You want to beat them to get there and you want to win. That if you guarantee me I'm going to win. If you guarantee No, no. If you guarantee me I'm going to win, yeah, I'd pick the Yankees. But. But I, there are no guarantees, and I'm telling you, I, the Astros have owned them for so long. I just that stuff doesn't last forever. I, I just I've I've so, seen it too so, often. So, so in your eyes, paying the Guardians would have been a guarantee. 
Oh, no, I never said it would have been a guarantee. I just know that losing to the – watching the Guardians celebrate would hurt because my Astros would lose, but it wouldn't hurt as much as watching the Yankees celebrate. I don't like yeah. – no, it's not the same. I don't know. I mean, I want to see y'all beat the Yankees and stuff. So I Oh, I, I would love to beat the Yankees. The Yankees but I, but I, I, mean, I, I would I love to beat them. I want to see y'all beat the Yankees because that's what all the hype is about, the Yankees. Plus, that's another thing. That's another thing. That's another thing. If, since the beginning of the year, like, oh, it's going to be the Yankees and the Astros. Yankees. I hate when the national media is right. Now, they were dead wrong and no one <laughs> – they were dead wrong in the, in the National League. They were dead wrong. Okay? I hate when what everybody thinks is going to happen happens, unless it's my team, obviously. But – and so they were dead wrong in the National League, and I was hoping they'd be wrong in both, but it didn't work out that way. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, don't forget – we all told you this before. I know it ain't the first time you heard it, but you're a sick man, Kevin. Okay. You're a sick man. We talk to you later. Take care. Oh, man. I just These next two days, just torture. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears. Talk LSU football. Lots to sink our teeth into on that subject with Cokie Riley next on the game. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, Thursday from 4 to 6, Migaz and, Migaz and Mesh will be doing crunch time. Live from Twin Peaks on Johnson Street. I'm sure they'll be talking some baseball. That'll be, um, well, this is tomorrow, Thursday. It'll be Saints game day. It'll be the day after game one of the NLCS. You know, we've got Cajuns to preview, LSU to preview, all kind of a huge week of sports locally and nationally. So go by and visit uh, Great Beverages and Burgers Thursday in the, as you preview the Saints-Cardinals Thursday night game. More torture for this fat cat. Um, again, from 4 to 6, Migas and Mesh, crunch time, Twin Peaks on Johnson Street. All right, we have now with us Cokie Riley from the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going? Oh, it, it, it's not going well. My, you know, my Astros are playing game one tonight in the NL, ALCS, so I'm nervous wreck. And then tomorrow's game two, and the Saints season's going to be on the line on a Thursday night in Arizona. I don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. It, it, it's, a, it's a stressful, stressful time for me. Well, that's what October's for for any sports fans. It's yeah. just... It's just like constant stress, um, constant games, uh, but it's also exciting. You know, I mean, it's this is the this is pretty much the best time of the year if you're, especially if you're a sports fan. I think at least. No, it's really good. Now Hannah tells me taking two or double or triple my pl- my blood pressure medicine is not a good plan. <laughs> Do you concur? I, I would I would concur since we don't really know what the after effects of that would be, but uh, I, I can understand your your impulse doing something like right. that. Right. All right. So we didn't get to speak last week because I was in West Virginia for the Cajuns game against Marshall, and uh, 
obviously, I, I didn't have a real good feel. Uh, and I think now we've learned that maybe Tennessee's just good. I mean, is that kind of where you are right now and trying to evaluate the LSU season and make sense of it all? Maybe Tennessee's just really good. I think we knew Tennessee was good. I don't think we knew they were great. So, I mean, this great in terms of this team could make the college football playoff and even win the darn thing. Like, it's on the table now. Um, I don't think that was necessarily something uh, uh, like that was seemed like a, like a real possibility when they were going to play LSU. We thought, oh, maybe they could challenge Alabama and, and give them a game. But we didn't think they could uh, win that game and then look like a team that um, is in that upper echelon of college football right now. There's, if you look at college football, there's six teams that you look at and you're like, oh, they could all realistically uh, make some sort of run um, even to the national championship game. You know, it's Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten. It's, um, uh, it's Clemson in the ACC. And then, of course, it's Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. So uh, they're kind of on a different level right now. And if you're LSU, uh, it, it, shooting yourselves in the foot against a team at that level, of course you're going to lose 40 to 13. So just look at it that way, I'd say. What about Ole Miss as part of that? You know, obviously if LSU beats Ole Miss, that you know that'll pretty much be gone. But but what about you know Alabama looks vulnerable on defense right now, and Ole Miss obviously is very good at putting up points. Obviously, L- Ole Miss has got to beat LSU, so this is a huge game Saturday. But uh, Ole Miss is a, not that far on the outside looking into that whole thing. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the rankings, they are literally number seven. Um, but I, I do think there is a gap between those, the, the, between Ole Miss and those teams. Um, and part of the reason why is because I, they just haven't, their schedule just hasn't been, uh, terribly challenging. I mean, when you look at, uh, they have that win against Kentucky, a fairly impressive win that they were very, very close and arguably should have lost. Um, they have the Auburn game, which was, Probably a little bit closer than what many many people thought it would be. Um, they had their, I mean, their non-conference schedule was fairly easy as well. Uh, their other SEC game was Vanderbilt, so they haven't really been challenged uh, quite that much. Um, the, the Kentucky game is really the only exception to that. And yes, they won. It was a, it was a tightly contested game. They played well. This is a very good team, but I, I don't think they have a they don't have a, a, a giant resume booster, at least when you uh, look at them from a rankings perspective, in my opinion. Um, so I, I, this, this matchup is going to be interesting. And if we just look at the, you know, the X's and O's, the, it, compare the rosters to each other, I, I think LSU has a chance to win this game. And, um, and I think last week's win against Florida, uh, this past week's win against Florida, I should say, uh, kind of kind of gives me some more confidence in, in, in picking that, to be honest. All right, so it's whatever happened uh, was Florida's defense, or is it just you're about halfway through the season now, and in a little in, a, in very much a transition season for LSU? It, it, it was that the tonic for this passing game. It sure looked like it on paper. Um, I'd say it's both. Uh, I think this Florida. I, I I don't think this Florida defense is anything spectacular. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think their defense is that much less talented than, say, Tennessee's. And 
Yes, like I think Florida's defense heading into this matchup, we knew they gave up a lot of yards, but they did a pretty good job of stopping teams from scoring touchdowns inside the 20s. Um, uh, they, they weren't necessarily a team that was going to give up like tons and tons of explosive plays. They had a lot of third down trouble, so they had trouble getting off the field. But it wasn't like a terrible unit. I mean, they have some talent in the front seven, especially with guys like Ventral Miller and Brendan Cox, and we saw that like, even a little bit against LSU. So I, I so like I, I don't want I don't want to totally buy into this idea that it was all because Florida's secondary is very very bad. I don't think Florida's secondary is great, but I don't think it's terrible either. Um, I, I think LSU definitely improved. I think we have to give them at least some credit for uh, Jaden Daniels is looking a lot more confident, making much much better decisions, much more aggressive decisions, decisions with the football. He was consistently accurate. I mean, he almost played a perfect game to be honest. Um, and then the receiving core just really stepping up and making plays for him on the outside. Guys like Brian Thomas Jr. making great catches again, and Keishawn Bucci coming alive. Like I, I think that was very, very promising for LSU's offense, um, and they did did a good job of taking advantage of uh, a Florida secondary that I don't think is terrible, but isn't great either. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they can uh, transition that this week against Ole Miss, a defense that. Uh, had some troubles against Auburn, so it's it, it, we'll, we'll see. If I was an LSU fan, I think the guy would be the mo- I'd be the most excited about right now, as far as what could the ceiling be for this season, is Williams, and he he kind of had a breakthrough game, and some people have been hinting that that could be happening. Uh, I mean, just I mean, he could have a huge impact moving forward here. It seems like. Yeah, um, they have some depth at running back this year for sure, and. Uh, Williams and Emery have sort of stepped up as the top guys at the moment with Armani Goodwin out. Sounds like Armani Goodwin's practicing. He sounds like they were going to try to practice him yesterday. Um, We'll see how that – we'll see how he responded to that and if he'll be ready to go on Saturday. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, their running back situations, I'd say, pretty solid at the moment. Um, Their traditional running game has improved uh, as the season has gone on. They looked – uh, very good this past week. Um, it was kind of an underrated aspect of the offense, an offense that really played pretty well on pretty much every uh, aspect, of, pretty much every aspect of the game. So, um, yeah, like I, I think Williams. I mean, it's it's really impressive the way he stepped up, especially as a guy who uh, was a walk on, even though you know he's a much better athlete than most walk ons are, to be frank. Um, but at the same time, like really credit to him for. Stepping up and uh, really kind of having kind of a breakout season this year. How would you? I mean, I don't know if it was a step forward or a step backwards. A team game, you got the W, so it's good. But as far as the defense uh, coming out of the Florida game, how would you assess it? Yeah, I, I think their strategy is sound. I think they have the players to be a good defense. I think we've seen, we saw them at the beginning of the year, but I think the reason why we've seen some steps backwards is just giving up too many big plays, whether that's through the air, whether that's through the ground, uh, not tackling well enough. I, um, I, I, I think personally they're over-pursuiting on tackles sometimes. I think sometimes, they're like, like Kelly noted, they're, they're going after the ball instead of you know just trying to get the guy down. Um, and that stuff's turning into big plays. And, and, and that stuff's going to hurt you when you're going up against a guy like Anthony Richardson. And, and it'll hurt them again this week. If they try to do that against Ole Miss, because Ole Miss's running game it has has so many explosive athletes, but 
I, I think their technique in terms of like the scheme they're running and the personnel they have, I, I think that stuff's okay. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily an issue there. I, I think they just need to uh, be more wary of stopping the big play, and I think they, they need to just simply tackle better. Uh, if they can fix those two things, I think this defense will be back to being pretty good again. Um, so I think the reason why why they were they were so they were so vulnerable at times against Florida was not because they were giving up these long these long drives. They gave up a few of those, but it was mostly because Anthony Richardson eighty one yard touchdown run. Um, Richardson found Justin Shorter for a fifty one yard touchdown pass, like stuff like that. You know, is, is what's going to sort of open the floodgates a little bit. Do you sense how would you kind of compare how LSU's defense matches up with Ole Miss is composed as a, compared to like Mississippi State or, or or Tennessee? It's a little different with Ole Miss because I think they've they've leaned heavier on the run this year. Um, they, they definitely do play with tempo. They definitely play a little more of a spread offense, but. Uh, their running game has been absolutely fantastic. Jackson Dart is a, is a better runner than uh, I think a lot of people in the country give him credit for. Uh, and, I, and I think that sort of dual threat ability with Dart um, in that running game is, is really dangerous. But, but in order to win this game, LSU's got to make Dart a thrower. Um, he, he's just not as efficient as a passer as even a guy like James Daniels that is particularly close. Um, and he's a young kid. He's only, I believe, what, he's a sophomore or a redshirt freshman, one or the other. Um, and, I, yeah, he's a very talented thrower of the football. He's a, his, his arm is his God-given ability in that, in that right arm for sure. But, you know, the consistency isn't always there. The accuracy isn't always there. If you're going to beat this oldest offense, you got to make him beat you. So that's got to be the goal in this game if you're LSU. So – are you think? Do you think LSU's offensive line is 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 in good shape against Ole Miss's defensive front? Yeah, um, solid question. I, I I'd say that they can they, if they can survive if, if if they could survive the last few weeks. I think they can survive this week. Um, uh, it, it, I, I, I mean, Will Campbell was an, was literally the SEC offensive lineman of the week this past week. He was excellent, um, and they, there's no reason to think that they wanted the same group of five heading in for once, <laughs> heading into this week's matchup. So, yeah, I, I have some confidence that this offensive line is going to hang in there. I, I don't think it'll ever be a, a dominant unit like those freshmen. They're going to get beat occasionally. Um, they, they, both of them gave up, I think, the most pressures out of anyone uh, on that line this last week. But at the same time, like – it's it's still impressive what they're doing. The fact that they're freshmen playing, starting in the SEC at both tackle spots, um, and against this Ole Miss front, like it's not the greatest, it's not the scariest front seven. I, I think they've played better better front sevens this season. Um, so I, I think they, they they'll be able to hang in there in a matchup like this. But but it should be interesting because Ole Miss's defense, um, it's kind of a complex system. In, in terms of just just calling out who the blitzers are, uh, adjusting the co- adjusting uh, your coverages, uh, in terms of what fronts they have and, and all that sort of stuff, like they're like, you have to communicate well against this defense. And Kelly was um, Kelly was pretty detailed in, in how uh, to beat that this week. So yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. 
Well, it just seems like this is a great, you know, they they did they they beat Auburn, which was I guess some people had some question coming into the season. You beat Florida, and so if you win this game against Ole Miss, it puts LSU in position to to be at a little higher plateau than than a lot of people were were thinking was realistic for this season. Yeah, I, I think if they win this game, then they are at least one of the twenty best teams. In the, they prove that they're at least one of the twenty best teams in the country if they're in the top fifteen. Um, uh, it would just be a real, uh, it would just be a real kind of resume booster, booster heading into the Alabama game. And if you're an LSU fan, it's it's hard to not think that they would at least have a chance against Bama. I'm not going to pick them against Bama, even if they win this game by 30. Um, don't get me wrong, it's Alabama. You just don't bet against them. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but <laughs> either way, like it's. It's about sort of giving yourself the confidence, I guess, to to go up and to go into a matchup like that. And this is sort of the perfect game to sort of help you boost, help that confidence get boosted a bit. Um, like, I mean, we're going to see like all the, the the slight improvements that this LSU team has made, or even the big improvements this team has made throughout the season. It all comes to a head these next two weeks. Like, like, is, is how is the Kelly experiment going? I mean, this is going to be a good test the next two weeks against these two top 10 legitimate top 10 teams in the country. um, Absolutely. And I I think it's going better than all the negative stuff is being said. So we'll see. Well, Koki, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. And uh, just think about me over the next two days. I'm hoping I can get to Friday. You'll be okay. Uh, I think the Astros should be the favorites in this series. And, um, I don't know about the Saints, though, but you know you can lean on the Astros. At okay, least for, I sure, I, I sure hope so. Thank you, sir, very much, Koki Riley so much. of the USA Today Network. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You know, there's been a lot of nationally and locally, a lot of people talking about how people don't really like Brian Kelly and that things aren't going well. I, th- I think from a football standpoint, they're going pretty well. Now, I don't know that everybody anybody's ever going to just love Brian Kelly, but does anybody really like Nick Saban? I mean, his own mother probably doesn't even like him. I mean, I, no, I, I don't. I think I get wanting to like your coach, and you you want people to be nice. I mean, he's not a nice guy, but if you win. And, and, you know, let's say they beat Ole Miss. How worried are you really going to be that he's a nice guy or not? I, I, 
I mean, I guess it's a little more important. Um, like, does anybody think Steve Spurrier was a nice guy? I don't really think he's that nice of a guy, but Florida sure enjoyed all the wins he gave him in the 90s. So I, I don't know. I, I think I get that he's not a nice guy. I get that he's really not a fit socially in South Louisiana or anywhere in the Deep South. But again, neither is Tucktail. I mean, he's a miserable human being. So I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that that's going to matter that much long time term if they keep getting uh, victories, especially if they can get a couple big victories like the opportunity LSU has against Ole Miss on Saturday. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello, Kevin. Yes, sir. That's that, that's those two bozos, Bad Mouth and Kelly. Well, one of them is Stephen A. Smith. Like, like, how does he even know who's Bad Mouth? And he said, well, uh, I'm hearing bad stuff about Brian Kelly. He don't know. He don't know just as much as Fine Bob. Fine Bob just throws. They just throw stuff out there, okay? And, and then nobody holds, holds them accountable. Well, I, you know, I've I heard like, I've I, heard I like people. to have their job. I just spew all kind of BS. And then nobody, nobody holds him accountable. I mean, you know, he, 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 how do they know? Well, I'm sure people are just telling him things. Now, but I've heard people like going to the coaches show and all that. And he's, you know, it's just not, he's just not real sociable, nice person. But again, we're talking about, a, you know, mega million dollar football coach. So I just, I don't know in the end, as much of a big business as college football is, if that's the be all end all of, you know, I mean, again, Everyone let worships Tucktail, and he and he was miserable. So, you know, I don't I don't know that that's that important that he gets along with people, the fan base that great. I mean, he, he I mean Kelly's the best coach they had since Saban. Oh, I think you could argue that absolutely. The other the two other buffoons they had. So, yeah, I mean, fine bomb. He just just says I don't know. He just says stuff, and then just people think he's the greatest. And Stephen A. Smith, they, they don't know. <laughs> They just speculate. I, I no, I, I, I agree. Thank you for the call. Um, no, I again, and and any again, my point is, even if they're correct, and and I've heard from LSU people, friends that I have, that like he's not the nicest guy in the world. But again, I if if he beats Ole Miss or beats Al, and even if he doesn't, it's not like this year. Uh, I think they've shown pretty good improvement this year. I understand that there have been halves or even a game here or there that were pretty disappointing. But, again, every every coach is going to have ups and downs. Every program is going to have some ups and downs. But uh, I think you got to give them pretty good grades so far. Now, again, the season's not over. Still got a lot of big games left, including against Ole Miss on, on Saturday. But, um, man, how fun would it be to deliver the coup de grace to Tugtail's little season. That would be fun. That would be really nice. So, you know, not there yet. Got to take care of Ole Miss. We'll see how that goes. But that would be really fun. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I mean, how ironic to me is it that Ole Miss – is is you know kind of incorporated you know you don't really think about 
the run game as much with, with Lane Kiffin, although obviously he's coached some good running backs before. But um, getting beat on the ground would be, I don't know, I think a little more surprising. I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I would be surprised if they just dominate LSU on the ground. Um, but it, it, it obviously, the more a team runs the ball, the more difficult it is to stop the pass if they're really good passing it. So we'll see how, how that part plays out in, in, in the matchup. But, no, I think that's going to be a, a very interesting game. And, and yesterday we talked about the Cajuns with Cody, and um, they're going to be playing Arkansas State again. I mean, just a huge weekend. We could have game, what, three and four on Saturday and Sunday. Well, it will be unless it rains. Uh, game three and four on Saturday and Sunday in the, AL, in the ALDS. The NLDS will be going on. We've got, you know, obviously the Saints play on Thursday, so the weekend won't be as important for, for the Saints fans, but still a lot of big, um, a lot of NFL games going on and then just some huge college games locally where, you know, they're in different places. And yet for the Cajuns and LSU, if they win this game, it really gives them a chance to kind of elevate their season in the end. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it was like, eh, I don't know which way this is going. But but if, but if if you're LSU and you beat Ole Miss, it gives you a chance to be at a higher level. If you're the Cajuns, these next two games are, like I said, are just huge. They're, they're winnable games. You know, a week from tomorrow, the Cajuns play again. So they play Arkansas State Saturday at home, and then they're playing in Hattiesburg, which is I think is ridiculous, but um, – they're playing in Hattiesburg on Thursday. And so, you know, if they can win those two games, you get to five and three, then you got a chance to still win seven or eight games. But um, so it 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 will it, it puts both of them, this huge games, these next games or so, it puts them for LSU to Ole Miss game and for Cajun, I think both of these games in the next week, in the next six or seven days, it puts them in a position to, to really achieve more than maybe some people were thinking a few weeks ago when a lot of people were doubting the situation. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Oh, I don't I hope it's I hope it's good. I don't know. I'm too nervous hey, for anything Kevin. to be good or bad right now. All right, listen, Kevin. I- you know, you and I are a lot, uh, a lot alike in our fandom. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm really, t- I get really tense up. But listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, the Astros. I mean, we're in the, we're in the glory days, Kevin. This, you know, you know the song. We may never pass this way again. Yes. You just gotta stop, stop and just enjoy. Try to enjoy because I mean, although I think the Astros are gonna. Continue to be good. It's just incredible. The the you know the a run. It's unprecedented. We've never seen such a run before. I'm trying my best. On, you know, but it, you know, in those runs, you really want to capitalize. And I think that's where the where the, where the nervousness and the pressure comes in because you know there's no doubt in my mind right now. The last four teams, the Astros have the best team, but we know in baseball. Yeah, but like football, don't mean you're you know, gonna win. The best yeah. team does not always win. You know, that that happens so much more so 
I'm just trying to find a coach up there, Kevin. Let's just try our best. And I know, you know, it, it, the only way to enjoy it is to win, but you got to savor the moment a little bit, you know. All right. Uh, the Tigers, man. Well, Kevin, I mean, I'm, I'm just kidding. Now, I get a lot more tense up about the Tigers than I do the Astros because, you know, it's just so hard to to know, to, to get a feel for what's going to happen because, you know, I had a, a, a decent feeling going into the, ten, into the Tennessee game that not necessarily we were, LSU was going to win. I thought it was going to be competitive. We were going to play well. And, yeah, but you turned it over. And, I mean, you turned it over. You know, I mean. just, you, just, you just gave it. You know, you handed it to him in the beginning of the game, and basically it was over from the, before it started. So, Ole Miss can do that to you, although it's a little slow at death. But let me tell you, those cats can run the football. And not like Josh Hyper, I think Lane Kiffin is a tremendous play caller. You know, I, so it's very difficult. I'm just hoping that we're going to score and play much better on offense than we did against Tennessee. Okay, Kevin, the last thing I got to say, when I, when I turned on my radio in my truck this morning, I was a little confused. I want to know what you think about DWTS. What you take? What are you talking about? about Kevin. <laughs> DWTS, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I don't, I don't watch don't... that junk. No. I don't watch that junk. There's no way I would watch that. There is no way. I, I, I mean, I've watched, a, you know, where it was on TV and my wife or daughters were watching it. I might have watched like 15 seconds. That is awful. You? Listen to the to the show this morning, and Raymond and Hannah analyzing for a full segment. Oh, I, with the story. I, I can't hey, listen, watch that. Here's Raymond. I want I want to call Baloney on Raymond's take when he later on talked to Andrew Jews or whatever from the from uh, the. All right, I. We, I got I to gotta take a break, though. I got to take a break. You can call back next hour. We can finish that, but I, I'm at the top. I got to go. All right, Jeff. All right, all right. Thanks, Manny. We'll take a timeout. Be back. Finish out the first hour on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot. want to remind you, if you would like to be one of the first people to see the new blockbuster movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, then text PANTHER to 283-8100. Text PANTHER to 283-8100. You might be one of the first people in the era to see the new movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever at Celebrity Theater in Broussard on November the 10th. The uh, Black Panther movie giveaway is brought to you by Celebrity Theaters, Sherman Insurance, and The Game. All right. So, no, I... I, um, I don't know. I don't even know how tomorrow is going to go, much less how how Saturday is going to go. But I, but I do think, uh, well, that I do know this: the Cajuns play at four, LSU plays at two thirty, so I might be able to see a little bit of the first half of that game. But I, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's a very interesting matchup. So, um, from what Manny was saying and, and talking about it, and and, and Koki's analysis on it, I, you know, I. I was wrong on the Mississippi State matchup. Was wrong on the Tennessee matchup. Was wrong on the on the Florida matchup. So I have not figured this LSU team out. Every time I think they're really good, they go. They kind of they kind of make me go in the other direction. I think well maybe they're not as good. Then they step up and play great. So 
I hadn't really figured them out. So I think this is a very interesting matchup, and uh, what a what a huge momentum uh, boost would that be going into the Alabama game would be just tremendous. Be the kind of excitement that a lot of people didn't know would we be talking about this year having to do with the Tigers. All right, that that's the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. And this segment is a good time to do so. We will, again, be speaking with St. Thomas More. Offensive coordinator Shane Savoy in the next segment about the huge Turling St. Thomas Moore game. And as I said, this is a huge week for high school football, blockbuster games, especially here involving our family of radio stations. Southside and Acadiana. You know, when Acadiana has been dominating this district for quite a while, Southside has come, came upon the scene and, They've quickly established themselves, especially with um, a win over Karen Crow earlier this season, as as possibly the second-best team in this district. And they got a chance to go even higher if they could pull off a win. And, of course, you can hear the that game right either on 97.7 FM or 1330 AM on MeTV FM, or you can hear it on Mustang 107.1 from the Southside perspective. So going to be, um, you know, a really nice uh, game. Uh, and the winner of that game will pretty much win the district championship. Obviously, I mean, again, I've already mentioned the St. Thomas Moore Turlings matchup. Uh, always a great game for those two schools and their in their athletic communities, but the fact that Turlings is undefeated with all the great wins that they've had already this season, and St. Thomas More only has one loss to a to a just fabulous Catholic high team, uh, it makes it even better. Just a, a complete blockbuster matchup. Um, Westgate at Lafayette Christian. I mean, you know, Westgate did lose to Turlings, as did Lafayette Christian, but still, this is a uh, you know Westgate won a state championship last year. LCA's won multiple state championships, lost in the state finals last year. So this is an elite matchup in terms of Division I talent and and two programs that have done a lot, a lot, a lot of winning. So really a nice matchup on Friday at LCA Westgate at Lafayette Christian. Opelousas, uh, we interviewed Coach Zachary about two or three weeks ago on this show, and uh, he was telling us about you know, his vision of coming back to OHS where he played in the 90s and trying to rebuild it back up to where it was before, and he's doing a tremendous job. They lost to Turlings in the opener, haven't lost since. And they're going to be hosting Cecilia. Uh, you know, still some games to be played, two games to play after this, but essentially for that district championship in District 5 for a uh, Cecilia had a, for the second straight year lost a quarterback to injury and so they're but they've managed to continue to win and 
uh, find a way to kind of figure it out and still use Jamani Davis a little bit at wide receiver, a little bit at quarterback. And so they've done some very interesting things. So Cecilia at Opelousas, that should be lots of fun. Uh, real good matchup there. And then, you know, there are other teams certainly at home. Karen Crow is going to be hosting Sam Houston. Sam Houston beat Lafayette 42-41 uh, last week. So they're obviously capable of putting up points. Um, Abbeville at Erath. Erath had a nice win over Kaplan. And, and uh, you know, Abbeville um, is, is uh, having another really nice season. So there's some other matchups that are actually pretty good as well. Thursday night, tomorrow night, Ascension Episcopal is at Lowerville. Pretty nice, you know, matchup to see if, you know, both teams were really, really good record-wise last year. This year, not winning as many games, but still, I'm sure, have postseason aspirations. And uh, that's a game that uh, I think will be interesting to see how that plays out. Lafayette High will play another home game at LCA, hosting the Barb Bucks as they try to slow down Barb's passing game, which should be interesting. So, yes, some very uh, big week of high school football, and we'll be talking some more high school football, as I said, in the next segment from a St. Thomas More on, for the St. Thomas More Turlings game. I did want to mention tonight Justin Verlander. You know, I I get aggravated sometimes when people talking always talking about MVPs and Cy Young and all that. Oh, who's the MVP and the Cy Young? I, I that stuff. And you know, I don't know if you were thinking about it, but as Verlander was getting his clock clean, and look, I'm not mad at Verlander. That's baseball. It happens sometimes. I, I I'm very appreciative of everything that Verlander's done for the Astro organization and all the great pitching he's done. Uh, he obviously way surpassed my expectations for him this season. But 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 again, what good is all this Cy Young junk talk when when he's getting lit in the playoffs? What good is that? It means nothing to me. Nothing. So, you know, Verlander, he he this this is gonna he's had nine seasons where he's played in the postseason. Which, you know, there are plenty of guys who haven't been anywhere near that fortunate where they've had nine seasons in their career where they made it to the postseason. So, you know, I'm not saying that's bad. Now, in in five of the nine, he um, things have not gone so well. Lot in, in in 2019 he had a ERA of 4.33, which again not not it's not like every outing he had was bad, but still overall not good. The year before he had an ERA of 4.15 in the playoffs, not awful, but not good, not Cy Young. And before that he had an ERA of 15, I mean of of 5.40. So he's had some um, a couple of years where his ERA was not good at all. He had one in Detroit where his ERA was over two with Detroit where his ERA was over five before he ever came to Houston. Now, in 2017, he was fabulous the year the Astros won the World Series. His ERA uh, was 2-2-1 and for that postseason and he shut down the Yankees twice and, and, and he almost wheeled the Astros to the World Series that year. So, He's had, again, he's had, of the nine, he's had five where he got pretty lit up. And right now his ERA is is 13. Now that's just one outing. 
if he goes out tonight and pitches great, I mean, it's not going to matter that he got lit by Seattle. But, um, again, he he needs to pitch well tonight. He's going to be going against Jamison Tyon, who was going to start game five if it had been on Monday, but they ended up going with Hector Hector um, in and on three days rest, and and he did great. And so Tyon gets pushed back to game one of the of the ALCS, and he, um, you know, I, I remember when they signed him. I thought he had some talent. I thought he would do pretty well. Initially, he didn't, but overall, he's done okay. He's had some some good outings. Obviously, Justin Verlander's a better pitcher than Jamison Tyon, but that doesn't mean he's going to pitch better tonight. So, again, uh, from from all the signs from the first game against Seattle, supposedly he had nothing on his pitches. How do you explain that? I have no idea. You know, down the stretch, he did have a he did have a two or three weeks where he didn't pitch at all. And he has gotten lit. Well, that, that's four times this season he's gotten lit. But that's that's not really that many times in the course of one season. And two of them were by, was by Seattle. So they kind of have his number a little bit. Uh, or at least they probably have a pretty good plan against him. Now, do the Yankees have a good plan? Yeah, you know. I don't remember the Yankees having a whole lot of good outings against, I mean, games against him. So we'll see how that plays out. But the point is, this is three postseasons in a row now where he hasn't pitched very well. You know, the Astros cannot afford for Verlander to, you know, to have one of these, um, like I said, Clayton Kershaw themes here where he's just dominant in the regular season and in the postseason, for whatever reason, struggles. They really need him to bounce back. This, If he would get lit again, that would be four of his last five postseasons would not have good ERAs. Would not, you would not say he's pitched to the level that, that he is or that he does in, as in the regular season. And, and and the one exception with that would be in 2017, the first year he was in Houston when he was just fabulous. So a lot of pressure on him, a lot of pressure on the offense to, to get something done. You know, it was great to win the game, one nothing, But still, you, don't, you played 17 innings and you didn't score any runs. And so this offense has not been great all year. It's shown some signs down the stretch of getting better. It was it was better in September, no question. And there, you know, obviously it was great that you were able to come back and score eight in the game that Verlander got lit by the Mariners. But um, it is um, still some serious question marks on, on the offense. It has the ability to go in the tank here and there, and some of that is just baseball. And some of it is you got to give credit to the other team. But we'll see. that They need to hit the ball. You would think they'd be due to get some hits after being largely shut down by Seattle over the last two games. We'll see. Time will tell. But, no, the, it, the recent postseason success or lack thereof of Verlander is a little bit scary. This idea, oh, he won to Cy Young, so you have this huge advantage. Eh, 
I, I don't I don't know that how much stock you can put in that. Of course, hopefully tomorrow we come and he, you know, throws seven shutout innings and and we're celebrating him. That's we can hope. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but we can certainly hope. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Shift gears back to high school football. Again, we'll be speaking with St. Thomas Moore, offensive coordinator. Shane Savoy and uh, just a blockbuster game Friday night at Turlings against the undefeated Rebels. We'll discuss the details of that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. You're on for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you before we get to our Special guest tonight from 5.30 to 6.30, the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers. Line of bed out of Westlake and Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our friend Jim Cazzolo will be talking tonight to McNeese Athletic Director and, as, you know, on the McNeese Coaches Show. And again, they'll be broadcasting from Maplewood Burgers at 44. 44- 53 Nelson Road in Lake Charles. So tune in tonight from 5.30 to 6.30. The McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we have with us St. Thomas Moore Offensive Coordinator Shane Savo. How are you, sir? Doing well, Kevin. Good to be on with you. Well, you know, every week year no matter what the records are it's always a unique and special week in in, in Lafayette Parish when when Turlings plays St. Thomas More in football but this year it's really really special uh with the Rebels undefeated and your team only having one loss to a really good Catholic high team so um what a what a blockbuster week this is for y'all yeah, for all the other things around it to kind of uh, come together where, you know, they're the number one team in power rankings. We're the number one team by the, in the polls. Uh, it makes for probably one of the special moments in this rivalry's history. And, and you know, what a, what a great moment for the Diocese of Lafayette, but what a great moment for our community as well. And, and not just us. You got the Westgate and LCA, a battle of top ten teams, and, and you got Acadiana Southside this week. So, Heck of a week for high school football in Acadiana. It is. I mean, take your pick tomorrow night. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be some some great matchups. No question there. So, you know, obviously when the season started, everybody knows that St. Thomas Moore is going to be real good because y'all almost always are. But there were some question marks. Uh, you know, Westgate was a defending state champion, and they were going to have some really good teams to I mean, some really good players on offense to replace, and, and LCA has been good for a while. And I don't know that a lot of people were talking about Turlings, but they've really done a good job. I think defensively they're not huge, but they're very aggressive, and their passing game has been pretty special this year. So what have you seen from them on film? Yeah, I think when you when you look at the jobs that coaching staffs have done in this area this year, I would put those guys at the top of the list. You know, I think everybody expected offensively with the firepower they had coming back for them to to be able to score points on anybody. 
but defensively, they weren't returning many starters on the defensive side of the ball, and and I, and I don't know if their expectations in, internally were as high as those guys have played. I think those coaches have done a tremendous job getting those young men ready to play. They they're sound. They're technically sound. Uh, they are prepared for each game. You can tell they have a scheme and a plan in, in place, and their kids are executing it at a really high level and playing with a whole lot of energy. And they've, they've played one heck of a schedule uh, through this point and obviously through this point. So uh, hat tip for sure uh, to that coaching staff over at Turley's to get that get that defense rolling. I think those guys have done a tremendous job. I reached out to Coach uh, Bart Beat last week um, just telling him, again, you know, appreciation from one coach to another on the job that you guys are doing. So, I don't know, y'all were probably looking for an, a little bit of an identity on offense, but it seems like y'all kind of found it, right? I mean, to tell me about the progress your offense has made from one to, to this week eight here. And, and that you speak to the beauty or, or the joy, one of the best joys of coaching, and that is just – the new pieces that kind of fit in each year and, and expectations or where are you going to go and how are young men are going to develop and, and then being able to keep building things around them to try to help them be successful. And, and I feel like offensively we've been able to, to kind of do that this year. I think the progress of Sam Altman as a quarterback is, has allowed us to open up, I think, even more than I would have expected. Um, I knew he would be successful um, but he's, you know, each week he seems to impress me a little bit more and more with decision making and accuracy and and all the things we would need him to do to to help add a little bit more uh, diversity to our offense. And uh, he's as he keeps developing, where allow, it allows us to utilize a, a talented group of wide receivers. Uh, you got McNeese and Connor Stelly out there. You got Hornback out there. You got Monclaw out there. You got Struther out there. You know, it just the list goes on and. And now having a quarterback that can make them part of the offense, I think that's kind of one of the reasons we've had the success we've had offensively this year. Plus, you've had balance. I mean, you've got multiple guys who can, who can run the football as well. And I think that was the key. I think looking into the year, we kind of felt like we would be able to run the football better than we did last year. Um, you got uh, Charlie Payton and Hutch Swilly both coming back as running backs and, and an offensive line that returned three starters. So we felt confident in our ability to run it, and it's only been accentuated by our ability to now kind of keep people honest with our passing game, uh, which allows us to be multiple and diverse and, and balanced, I guess you would say, offensively to keep defenses a little bit off, you know, off balance. Has it been uh, – how much of a transition – has it been for you as a play caller? Because, you know, y'all have been, understandably so, pass-happy for a while because y'all have had elite quarterback play for, I don't know, what, six, seven years it seems like, or longer. Has it been – how much of a transition has it been just in your play-calling discipline this year? <laughs> well, our running back dads would tell you it hadn't been a change at all. But they're always <laughs> messing with me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to your point, when, you know, and I remember saying that last year when you have – Walker Howard, you, you put the game in Walker Howard's hands, you know, and you allow him to, to make plays that normally you wouldn't do. And, and now we're kind of, you know, I would say this is the early years of, of Caleb Holstein where we did a really good job of, of taking what defenses were going to give us and allowing our playmakers in those positions to put us in good, good spots. What about the offensive line and what role, obviously, it, offensive line plays a role on every good offensive football team, but talk about its progress during the season. Well, I mean, just from the offseason, uh, Cole Brown, 
probably being the anchor of the offensive front. He's our center. He makes all of our calls. Uh, you got Luke Lemaire, who's a returning starter at, at offensive tackle. And on the other side, you got Parker, Luke Parker. Um, the three of those seniors have led uh, in a way that has kind of pushed everyone else's play attitude and preparation to another level. And because you have that leadership in such a selfless position as offensive line, uh, those guys tend to be heard when they when they speak up and hold people accountable. So that's number one. Just from a leadership standpoint, the entire offseason was different this past offseason because of those three guys. Uh, and then, two, just scheme-wise, and, and you, you return some starters with Hilaire up there as well. Um, it's just another year of them kind of playing together. And people always talk about it. You could say it's coaching talk, but – when those five guys learn how to think together and work together, the more they do that, uh, the better they get. You know, it's it's one of those stats they talk about in college football all the time. How many starts do all of them have together? Uh, because a whole lot of offensive line play is not just doing your job, but doing your job with the knowledge of what the guy next to you is about to do. And the better you can do that, the better you're going to be. Defense is also a huge part of helping an offensive football team, and that's what they talk about, you know, the different units of a team complementing one another, and it seemed like the defense has really helped you all this year as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about the, the leadership on the offensive side starting with our offensive line, the leadership on the defensive side starting with the defensive line. Uh, Chop Oye, I mean, Chop Matthews, uh, Ashton Oye, uh, those two guys have, have just done a great job of leading in the offseason. And, again, like when your leaders are positions that aren't the showcase guys who are getting all the uh, all the accolades, those are the guys who are in the trenches doing all the dirty work, and they're going to lead your team. Uh, it tends to lead your team in a more direct way. And I think those kids have done a tremendous job of that just from work ethic and growth uh, from last season. But we're playing with a much better energy and effort about ourselves defensively and, and I think there's kids who played last year that are now stepping up this year Hayden Hernandez leading our team in tackles at inside linebacker as a junior you know so talent wise we returned a lot of guys from last year but just just sense of urgency among that group has gone up so much that they're playing really well you know I, I love that we have these kind of matchups back when you were playing in the early 90s and even before that just covering the di so much was built around district championships and it's not really like that as much anymore because of power ratings and splits and all that kind of stuff but I mean it see how important is that still for your program and I'm sure for Turlings as well for us, district the district championship still matters. I think in the kids' eyes and in the coaches' eyes, you, you play for for that championship first, and uh, we haven't had it in a couple of years, and that's been a you know that's unique to us that it hasn't come come to our to our door in a couple of years. So we're uh, it's obviously something we talk about, we think about. It still matters to us. All district teams still matters to us, and, and so it does to Westgate, Turlings, and LCA. I can promise you that. So. In the end, what 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 are, in your mind? Um, what, what's going to be the key for y'all if y'all are going to pull off? Um, I guess it's an upset, although this is to me pretty even matchup on on, on Friday. Yeah, man. You know, you, you talk about it, and you know, it sounds again like coach speak, but you got to protect the football. The team who turns the ball over, it's it's hard for those teams to win. Uh, if you're losing the turnover battle, uh, big plays, I think you got to be able to control big plays and on offense, you got to create big plays. Uh, so that's going to be something I think that you're going to have to watch. I think those two stats together, whoever has more turnovers 
and whoever has less big plays created against them, I think is going to end up being a, in a advantageous position to win the game. Absolutely. Well, look, Shane, we appreciate your time as always. I just love just kind of having that buzz around the town when, when a big matchup like this and the other ones that you mentioned should be lots of fun. Good luck to y'all. Thank you so much, man. Y'all have a great day. All right. Shane Savo, St. Thomas Moore, offensive coordinator. And, of course, you can hear all the St. Thomas Moore games right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. We will take a timeout and be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game. Want to remind you, join RP3 and the Game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 at the Heritage Housing at located 3350 North Frontage Road in Jennings. If you swing by, you can register to spin the prize wheel where you could win prizes. Multiple prizes, including McNeese State football tickets. So make sure this Saturday, if you're in the area, go to Jennings Heritage Housing, again located 3350 North Frontage Road in Jennings, and visit and talk sports with RP3, win some McNeese State football tickets. All right. The game hotline, as always, is 706-0111, This is We won't have any interviews this segment, so if you would like to call in, talk high school football, again, a huge, I'm kind of going over some of the big games. There might have been one or two that you're interested in that we didn't discuss, uh, that, and certainly feel free to call in and, uh, and talk about those. Another one that's interesting to me, not blockbuster like, you know, Westgate LCA or STM Turlings or Southside Acadiana or Cecilia and Opelousas, not for a district championship like this, but potentially have postseason implications. North Familian is going to Northside. You know, those are the two teams that have to be in the same district as LCA, Westgate, Turlings, and STM. And, um, and the you know they both have gotten some wins prior to district, and so you know to me it'll be interesting to see who wins that game between those two that kind of uh, avoid being in the cellar, and who knows that might be make a huge difference um, playoff um, wise for those two programs. So that's another kind of interesting game. And again, Sam Houston and Karen Crow. Sam Houston beat Barb earlier this year. Sam Houston just beat Lafayette High last week, 42-41. So they obviously have some offensive punch. So I don't know that I would totally look past that game. And by the way, the um, you can hear all the Karen Crow Bear games on our family of stations, Z1059 FM. All right. Um, we talked a little bit about Verlander and the, and, and the ALCS. Any other thoughts you have on that, certainly feel free to um, try to either make me more worried or, or, or enlighten me or, I don't, you know, I, it's, just, it's just pressure. Every pitch. That's what I always say. You know, once, you, once the Astros got in this stretch where they start making the postseason almost every year and they've now made six straight ALCSs, it's just every pitch. I mean, it's just 
pressure. But also, um, the Saints situation. Again, in recent weeks, I've been so disgusted with the injury reports that I try not to pay attention to them. But I have heard enough to know that Chris Olave is supposed to play and that hardly no one else is. You know, this idea that, or the I, or the news, I guess you would call it, that Andy Dalton has a back injury. You wonder what the impact of that was in this game. In other words, in the fourth quarter, if he had a back injury, why did they? Why did they give him less help from Batman in the fourth quarter than they did in the first three quarters? Or was the injury earlier in the in the game and it kind of worked itself out? It just some of that just doesn't all add up, and ho- and hopefully Batman is used heavily in this game. Like uh, they 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 used him pretty well last week. I think they need to use him more comprehensively this week. Although again, they did things in the mat in the first three quarters last week that I've been asking for two or three years for them to do, and so. I really liked the game plan until the fourth quarter last week, and hopefully they can kind of stretch that out and continue to have success running the ball. But this defense, like we heard yesterday from Darren Urban, um, yet who covers the Cardinals, is has been really good. So I don't know that the same. I think this is going to be one of more of these ugly, low-scoring games that you hope. Defensive score, special team score, just getting a one or two big plays can make the difference. But uh, I don't, I don't, this, you know, the Saints are supposed to have a good defense. They've been miserable this year. Hopefully that continues to turn as well. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Howdy, sir. Hey, Kevin. Uh, How did the game of baseball get taken over by people who never owned a glove in their lives? Well, I mean, you know. It, it is a sport that lends itself to numbers and going deep into numbers, no question. The, 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 the thing that, you know, the whole the, the thing that I don't get, and again, I'm not a mathematician, so I, my mind doesn't work like theirs does. But the thing that I don't get, especially if you watch the game, this whole concept that RBIs does not matter as much in this new analytical era doesn't make any sense to me because who cares how many hits you get or how many base runners you get, especially in a playoff series, if you don't drive any of them in. Like, the Ast- if, if you go 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position, that's not good. So it doesn't matter as much how many people you get on base if you never drive them in. Well, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of things I don't understand about it. But, you know, this uh, it was so disgusting yesterday when uh, the Indians started uh, Aaron Savali instead of Bieber. These people, are, you know, we play to win the game. We play to win the game today. No, you don't. You don't play to win anything. That's the problem. You're playing for tomorrow. And on tomorrow, you're playing for the next day. That's that's what it is. It's unbelievable. As soon as uh, Stanton hit the home run, that game was over. Well, I, I but I agree. Back. I agree with playing for the next day somewhat in the middle of July or June. But when your season is on the line, so he would have pitched. In other words, 
Nestor pitched on three days rest, but Bieber didn't. Correct. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you're going to sit there and say, well, he gives us the best chance to win. No. If you don't want to start Viva, just go with a straight bullpen game. Yeah. But don't bring in somebody who's got an ERA of eight and has, hasn't has pitched 10, 30 innings all year long. I just, you know, and I know the managers get the blame for it, but they're not making any decisions anymore. This is all coming from the front office before the game is even played. They they got it scripted out. This is the way it's going to go. And if something blows up in their face, they're not prepared to make any changes or any adjustments other than what's on their little script. You know, these people, they didn't ask their parents for a glove when they were kids. They wanted the latest Texas Instruments calculator with sign and cosine. It's pathetic. But, it but, really but is. you know, the Astros really aren't in that situation because Dusty bucks them, and that's why there's been there's been speculation for months now that that the GM for the Astros may not be back or Dusty may not be back because they're not working well together because they buck heads because Dusty doesn't uh, do what they want him to do on a, a lot of the time. Well, I wish more managers would just, you know, not do what the front office tells them to do. And, uh, hey, they, they, they can't possibly need the money that bad. Plus, the manager, he's not the one that's getting paid uh, big-time money. You know, it's the president of ops or GM, whatever title they want to put on the people. But uh, it's it's really sad. This guy last night, Wheeler, seven innings, one hit, no runs, one walk, 83 pitches. Oh, take him out. Take him out. Wow, I didn't realize he – I knew what his stat line was, but I didn't realize he had only thrown 83 pitches. Yeah, 83 pitches. And uh, it's (laughs) – let me know when you can bring in a release pitcher who can put a negative on the scoreboard. Now, you get me somebody who can put a minus up there, then I'll listen to the argument. <laughs> but you can't bring anybody in that's going to do better than that stat line. And he hadn't been in any kind of situation the entire game. Oh, no, seven innings. That's, yeah, it's, it's, that's the new complete game. Yes. No, it, 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 so. it, it kind of is. You're right. Well, I just Kevin, hope my boys can Kevin, win. We'll your, see. Your team better come through for me. Well, you telling me? I agree. I'm worried. I'm uh, I'm worried about Verlander. Yes, I am worried, worried about him, about and I'm Verlander. just worried about they're just uh, they're t- tired of us owning them, and eventually that's going to end. I just hope it doesn't end this year. Well, okay, Kevin. All right. Thank. Good talking Bye. to you. Take care. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Are you there? Well, must not be there. Again, if you want to try to call back, do so. The game hotline is 706-0111. Look, I would have... I'm a little more old school on how to handle pitchers like Square was just talking about. I, You know, I... I wouldn't have pulled McCullers out in Saturday. He had thrown six shutout innings. He wasn't really in much trouble. 
obviously at the time, no one knew the game was about to go 18 innings. And it wasn't like the Astros ran out of pitching because they didn't. But I would have left him in for the seventh inning. Um, I asked Michael Schwab about it yesterday. He he thought Dusty and 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 Miller that they did the right thing. I, I would have left him in for another inning. So I'm more kind of old school and let guys go a little more than 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 they do. But if you got a good bullpen, I guess you kind of have that luxury a little bit. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Hello? Go ahead, sir. Oh, hey, Kevin. Thanks Howdy. for taking my call. This is Ryan from Lake Charles. You were oh. talking about Sam Houston, and I had to call in, man. Yes, help me. alum. But, uh, yeah, Sam Houston is doing amazing this season. We First game of the year, we went up to Manning and caught that loss on the chin, 38-3. Then we went to Nish the next week, and I think they still had that kind of beat-down hangover. We lost there, but like you said, once we played Barb, we really found ourselves and it's been crazy how good these guys are playing because we're playing mostly sophomores and juniors. So we're going to be a problem for a few years. So the sh- like what what have you what has been kind of you've been riding like just a big plays or or what's been the what's been the secret to success? Man, it's just yeah, a lot of big plays, but I mean, we got a good ground game as well. Gardeer, I when, when he runs the ball, he runs the ball like a man. I think he reminds me of Hilliard from LSU. I mean, kids are just bouncing off of him, extra yards every time he gets touched. And then Stout, our sophomore quarterback, uh, his brother plays receiver. And then we have a big play uh, kid, another sophomore named uh, Dronette. And they just really found their way. And they're just chunking the ball all over the field. Well, it, you know, it, it's been interesting the last few years. Some of the Lake Charles area teams have not come back, and some have come back pretty strong. And so it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, I, I think this district has been down for a couple of years. So it, it, I, I like the fact that Karen Crow's in it, building some more strength. Uh, Barb is, is, is still playing well. And so, you know, it, the more that the Sam Houston's and Sulphur's and, and, and kind of make this district back to where it was, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I know, it, you know, some teams are going to lose more games here and there, but I, 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 I hope all the teams continue to progress and we can get 3-5-A back to where it was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. But, no, I, I've, been, I've been monitoring Sam Houston and seeing all the points they've been scoring, and we'll see what they do uh, in Karen Crow tomorrow. Yeah, before I head out of here, I want to hear your thoughts on Pete Carmichael because I don't know. This guy, to me, never learned anything from Sean Payton on how to scheme, pace him correctly, how to get Alvin Kamara more involved. I want your thoughts on Pete Carmichael, how you think he's doing. Thanks, All Tim. right, thanks. Um, Again, I'm not as down on Pete Carmichael as some. I don't think – I don't think – um, Casper the Quitter ever used. Now, you got to give him credit because he was, you know, all in on Batman. He loved him. But I don't ever thought, I, I, the whole time he was there going into this year and this year, like, I don't think he throws the ball enough. I mean, you might not think he's a good quarterback, but he still has played quarterback at the NFL level. He can throw the ball better than, then, you know, most wide receivers, if not all wide receivers, are tight ends in the league. I don't think that when Casper was there, he ever threw the ball enough. 
And so I thought the first three quarters of last week was the best game plan all season. And better than, well, you almost have to throw out last season because the whole year was just, was just a, in terms of offensive game planning, there, there was no offense to game plan last year. So you almost have to throw that out. So in at least a year and a half, I thought the first three quarters, I just don't get why they stopped using. Now, was he nicked up and we didn't know about? There are things behind the scenes that we don't have information to, but I thought the fourth quarter play calling was not good last week, but I thought the first three quarters was very good. I also think it's hard to get in a rhythm as a play caller when your quarterback is, you got different quarterbacks and, you know, there's so many people just not on the same page right now. I mean, they don't play in the preseason. And so I just think that's when I want look, we're, we're supposed to be out of the preseason right now, but and let's say Jameis comes back next week. You're almost back everyone's still not on the same page so I'm willing to be patient with Carmichael again I think the last three the first three quarters of last week's game was the best play calling I've seen in a year and a half it's what they should do and and what I've been wanting them to do more often they threw to the tight end a few times and then he gets hurt And, and you know they 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 ran the ball well they got they got Batman involved Batman threw the ball I still think the best play in the Saints' playbook is when Batman drops back to pass and runs. Not scheduled run, but a scramble run. That's very difficult on a defense. And so I think he'll be – I think he showed some positive signs last week because the first few games, I agree, were not very good play calling-wise. I think he showed some positive signs last week. I think he showed some positive signs in, in, in the Vi- in London. But the officials started making up calls and, and costing them first downs and touchdowns. So I, um, I, I, I'm not as down on him as some people are. But, again, got to finish strong. We'll see how he does. Just get it done tomorrow night. Got to get me to three and four or else, you know, the chances are just not very good at all. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want a reminder again, Astros, game one, ALCS, 637 scheduled first pitch. You can hear all the action right here on the game, 1037. FM 1041 FM Lake Charles. Also want to remind you, if you have not joined the game clubhouse, you need to do it today. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. And if you do, you could win all kinds of great prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, or a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House. Can't win any of these great prizes or any other special ones that come up from time to time. If you don't join, so go to become a member of the Game Clubhouse today, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, so it is a huge game tonight. Tomorrow we've got baseball and baseball. And, you know, we haven't even talked about um, got a couple high school football games tomorrow that we discussed. Also got um, Sunbelt game tomorrow uh, involving Troy which is a future Cajun opponent um in South Alabama and so some some really nice I mean tomorrow is just I mean I don't know how Thursday could get any bigger for sport for a lot of the sports fans in our area 
I mean, can you imagine if you're, you know, if you, especially if you're, you know, a fan of one of the high school teams that are playing tomorrow? But I mean, you know, you've got that, and then you you might be a Yankee fan or an Astro fan, and so you've got that going on, and you might be a Saints fan too, and you've got that going on, and you and and you might be a fan of the Cajuns, and and then so you're interested in this Sun Belt game, which could affect you down the road. So man, just I mean, a Thursday night shouldn't be this much. For some of us, it's just going to be completely exhausting. So we'll see how how all of that plays out. Uh, hopefully, I'm at least in a good mood tomorrow because of, of an Astro victory tonight. But we'll see. You know, Squidward said the same thing. Verlander is concerning. He was pitched. He pitched so well all season. And then to come out and just get lit. You know, I, I just think they, they've got to – they see they're pretty good at how to pitch judge, but they've got to they cannot let Stanton hurt them. They just you can give up a few home runs to judge here and there. You just cannot let Stanton hurt you. And he has hurt the the Astros quite a quite a you know, he doesn't have a lot like a really high batting average, but he's gotten a lot of big hits against him. So it they've got to get some clutch hits. They haven't gotten many. Uh, other than El Perro, and so hopefully, I just need I just need a break. I just need a break. We'll see what happens. Y'all have a nice day.